Ascent Podcast. Hey everyone, Matthew here. Before we begin today's show, I just want to remind everyone of this month's sponsor, Whale Street. Whale Street is the DeFi engine that powers NFT economics on a massive scale. They make huge currency swaps happen, or whale swaps as they're called, with very small slippage costs and without crashing the system. They also engineered the largest ever NFT bundle and fractionalized it into the historic B20 tokens. Whale Street is all about upside, so dip into the liquidity pools for rich rewards. For B20, join discord.com slash whale. That's discord.com slash W-H-A-L-E. And follow Whale Street on Twitter at Whale Street O-F-F-L. Thank you and enjoy the show. Okay, Pablo and Coborn, thanks for joining me today on the Spotlight. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's a uh, an honor and a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. To get started, I, I think a lot of people that are deep down in the crypto art space are definitely familiar with both of your names, as well as with the project that you're associated with, MoCA, or the Museum of Crypto Art. But I think it would be pretty cool if we can get into some quick backgrounds from both of you and some self-introductions uh, to kind of get this conversation started. Whoever wants to go first, you can rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> Pablo, you get to take it. Sure. I'm Pablo. Uh, I have a Spanish background, but I was actually born and raised uh, mostly in the U.S. I'm based in Miami now. I have a background of mathematics and economics. I've worked in finance in different in different things in finance for a few years, and I have an MBA. And after that, uh, after having a wonderful conversation with Colborn, we went into blockchain, and we've been uh, investors in in the blockchain uh, world for a few years now. And uh, since the beginning of the year, we have uh, been putting uh, you know a more effort and uh, more views into the NFT space. Yeah, I'm uh, Colborn, born and raised in Los Angeles, went to school, uh, college in New York, which is where I met Pablo, also studied economics with him, psychology as well, kind of wound a similar path through first investment banking, then was over at the United Nations, uh, some wealth management, and some private family office work before kind of becoming a, a full blockchain investor. Um, about more than four years ago now, you know, kind of weave this path right through the ICO boom, virtual lands, Decentralands, um, and then found Somnium Space and, and Crypto Arts. And that is kind of the genesis of this project. Yeah. And let's get into the project. So with Mocha, I mean, do you guys have a specific mission with what you're you're building out with that? I know it's it's not just Mocha. You also have Ioka, like the incubator, and then Goka, the actual gallery. But specifically with Mocha, I'm just curious if you guys have a mission and, and want to kind of elaborate on the genesis of that and the progression since you started that until now. Yeah. Uh, I would say back in 2018, I, I was in a trip to central Brazil and went to a museum called Inhochim, huge multi-acre facility winding through the jungle along the river up into, you know, a big hill where there's an observatory and dotted all along the way were numerous artist installations. You know, there was a giant mirror cube. There were these large, you know, construction vehicles that were painted and, and redone and covered in dried flowers. And 
I just remembered it being so memorable and powerful. And, and when we started to look at this investment we had in Somnium Space, um, which at that time was a, a largely empty world, uh, we really began to ask ourselves, you know, what is the world that we want to see? And, you know, how do we begin to invite people in? And our answer was really from the arts and culture side. If we create the most beautiful world, if we begin to engage you know, some of the leading digital creators in this world, then, you know, we could really create a a community and a world that we would want to participate in and, and we would want to see. So, you know, Mocha kind of sits as, in our mind, the first stepping stone in, in that surrealist journey into the limitlessness of virtual reality, right? It's a very familiar mental model for somebody to come into, and it really starts to ascribe traditional value in it being a, you know, quote unquote, museum, a digital museum for digital artwork. Yeah, and I feel like it's easy almost to imagine the the possibilities of VR, right? It's, um, it's just there's been a huge gap between what people want to be possible in VR and what's actually possible. So I feel like that that connection and intersection between VR, blockchain-based VR, and then crypto art is something something very profound and powerful and, and just very special. So it, and, and what you guys are doing on the collecting side is also super interesting. Um, and it makes total sense with that, that broader vision of kind of building out the future of VR. But I wanted to ask you, when it comes to collecting art, on that spectrum of pure collecting versus pure investing... How do both of you kind of identify on that spectrum? What an interesting question. Do you want to start, Pablo? It's, it's a very interesting question. I, I would say that perhaps we are a little bit of both and a little bit more than both. Uh, meaning we're not the traditional collectors. We're not here just trying to amass, you know, just a collection and just because uh, we like it. But we're actually here trying to build, uh, you know, what we believe it's the next generation and the, the, the next wave of how we, people will interact with immersive art. So, I mean, we can discuss of how we actually come and, the, and make decisions on what artists and what works we support. But uh, I think our mentality, this was born more as a passion project. You know, we're obviously, an, as, as the market has been able to see, we're certainly not flippers, but rather, you know, we're looking at, at, at creating these experiences that most people find when they, they, they experience them very relatable and very easy to, to connect to the mainstream, uh, you know, the technological, the technological advance that is happening here. I don't know if you want to um, comment on that, Colborn, as well. Look, there's there's two things I want to talk about here. And, and one, I think, relates very closely to lessons learned in the 2017 ICO boom. And largely, we have to assume, right, that it's a, a pretty similar collector base. You know, I think a lot of people in this space really tend to treat the arts like a commodity or like a coin. But we really have to recognize and be conscious of the fact that you know, these are people's lives, right? And these are these are artists that are willing to put themselves out there. The fact that there exists liquidity in this market is both a wonderful thing and a very dangerous thing. I've seen, you know, artists in the traditional world go on a, a meteoric rise only to fall and, and never regain standing. And that happens on a period of, you know, many years. But here, it's, it's very possible that this rise and descent could happen very quickly. And 
it's something I'm very conscious of and and I worry about uh, what liquidity will do to these artists as people when it's just a number of uh, speculators kind of behind them, you know, flipping and then adding on top of it the volatility of Ethereum. It's, you know, potentially a dangerous combo. I consider myself a collector uh, and I consider the collection that I built, we've built to have been just like a, a wonderful therapeutic exercise in kind of bringing cohesiveness at a time when things were very distraught and disorderly. It was something to to focus into and really see like what is the, the highest and best use and how do we take these pieces that people are putting forward and begin to like build environments that speak and tell the story and immersive arts and how do we you know continue to elevate and and build use case and show value and i think we've been i think we've done quite well there and just real quick talking about the collection that you've amassed i mean it's a beautiful collection but if you can hit us with some high level numbers of what's in your collection and things like that i think that'd be pretty cool oh um, I believe I'm still the top collector on Super Rare with like 514 works collected. I was probably the first major collector in Rareable. Um, I followed a lot of artists there for their early works and haven't collected much since then, but there's probably another couple hundred there for me, uh, maybe four or 500 there, uh, considerable of amount of async makers plays known origin as well uh i'd say the collection is probably over two thousand pieces of nft artwork at this point i do want to um if you don't mind i want to um comment on on the previous question one thing that you know while we're certainly more on the collecting side meaning we, we actually care about the art and we want to do this uh and we actually want really want the works and we go into the close relationships with the artists. One thing that at least was uh, fun for me and important for me because I believe it's important in any industry is, uh, you know, professionalizing and putting some sense into the market, building the market as we go along. And, uh, you know, um, just uh, we believe that having actual the liquidity, even though it's, as Colbert said, it can be a little bit dangerous, just having a proper market and having the proper infrastructure, uh, just the, the, the correct things happening in the right ways in the market can really lead to, 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 to some growth as we have seen. And for, for us, that was, uh, that was uh, quite a fun experience. Yeah. And the one thing, especially being a really early stage of this crypto market, crypto art market is the fact that you can be a significant market makers yourself and a single purchase can be what like turns on, people to this market and brings in new liquidity, new collectors, new artists. Um, I think it's a really powerful um, just thing to be aware of, especially as an early collector uh, in the space. But what are some tools that you guys really think that are, are conspicuously missing from a lot of the sites and galleries out there um, that should become table stakes heading forward in the, the not too distant future? There's so many things, right? The just basic credit card functionality to start for the marketplace. Uh, yeah. The fact that none of these marketplaces really have like gallery viewing rooms uh, is, is huge. Um, the data 
that is provided is awful. <laughs> um, and I know there's smart people looking at and, and solving these problems. Um, what else really? I mean, uh, there is certainly a, when we start to consider, you know, what is going to be, you know, high end, fine art, digital art, how, uh, crypto art is going to bleed in true traditional. I don't think there is a, a UI UX that has like captured the essence of that. Um, and I don't even know exactly what, what that is going to be or who that first, you know, there's, we've seen some crossover candidates. Um, I don't know. That's, that's a hard thing for me to try and describe. It's kind of a no see thing. I would like to add that one that is very important and we have seen a little bit of moves in this regard, but uh, I believe things need to be, start being priced in dollars. The dollars are stable coin or or something like that, if we want to move outside of the of the crypto niche, uh, which might be slightly saturated uh, already uh, from the NFTs, if we want to go mainstream, we really need to make it easy for 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 no coiners to come into the space. One hundred percent, especially on the last point. I'm curious to hear from both of your your perspectives. How do you, or how would you describe each of your individual tastes? Do you think it would be cool if you describe one another's taste as opposed to your individual taste? Or do you think it would be more valuable to just talk about it from your own subjective perspective on your own? You want me to start? Okay, I'll talk about Pablo. Like, I, I've known Pablo for, for 13 years, right? And he has this incredible, mathematic, precise brain. He likes to bring order to the world. You see it reflected in, obviously, the, the pack pieces and his gravitation there, Right. Temporary minimalism um, ordered a, a very strong design aesthetic, which I think, you know, doesn't just run through him, but runs through his, his whole family. Um, you know, something like Arc 4G, I think he was was first to, again, like bringing order to to chaos, relying on the numbers that that heavy finance mathematical brain. And then Pablo, how, how would you describe Coborn's taste? Ah, I'm not sure I can do this, uh, unfortunately. Do you want to start it up, Coborn, and then maybe I'll continue? Look, the, the only thing that I look for is just raw emotion, right? The, I want the artwork to speak to something that is like deep inside that reminds me of any sort of feeling. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't mind things that are are messier right i'm interested in art for the the passion of it and and the vibrance it brings uh i can certainly relate to like a clean line design and aesthetic but again once once you start to i think know us and, and know our personalities you start to understand like how these two sides of us really come together to make kind of something more whole and complete. Uh, I would add on top of that, that Colborn, one thing that I, that I, really, that I really like uh, about uh, the pieces that he collects is he really actually goes deep into the meanings of the pieces for those that carry some meaning. Uh, you know, the, 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 those pieces that, that, that you know, are really uh, hiding something or telling something, that's, those are the ones that Colborn 
you know, it's always it's always behind, and I I I I I really like that because it really creates these these relationships with the with the creators behind that are that are a lot more profound than the general transactional ones that we're seeing in the markets. Mm, that's a good point. And then, well, to kind of balance everything out, since uh, Colborn, you had the ability, or the chance to describe Pablo and then describe your own uh, taste. Pablo, if you want to talk about your own taste from your own perspective, I think that'd be a great way to wrap this section up. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say uh, that, that I have a particular taste, just focus on one thing. What I do focus though, it's whatever is done, I like it to be done very, very, very well. Um, like properly, if that makes any sense, where I understand that art is all about uh, creativity, but I do like to see some order, as Colborn said, in that creativity. And uh, just whatever is done that is thoughtful, that is that is properly uh, put out, and uh, I, I see a lot of value in that. And I don't know about the stuff, but one of the things that I really focus on is would I would I be collecting this art if it was outside of being tokenized? So is tokenization only the thing that is bringing me to this art? That is the fact that I'm finding it here, or or is this actually something that I would show and be happy to show anywhere, no matter where I went? And uh, that's 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 pretty important for me. Yeah, I was uh, I was quite I understand how the the movement started, but I was quite focused on moving away from the crypto, for example, from the crypto-based art, if that makes any sense. Um, uh, so the symbolism and all, all, all of those things that I believe, again, are important. I understand why people like them, and I do like some of them myself, but I do think that as the market matures and we move more to the mainstream, I do just believe that you know crypto art will not be just a small niche within art. I just believe all art will be tokenized, and therefore, you know... Um, yeah, we need to start looking at uh, what art is, you know, and just use, using this as the technology. I love these sorts of insights, getting into the minds of the collectors. Do you guys have any frameworks of your own that you like to apply when it comes to collecting art? Um, I think two very important things here. We, 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 we really have moved away from collecting uh, individual pieces. And now what we try to do is we, we, we really try to get together and closer to an artist. So for us, it's less about like the decision of an art piece and more about who, like what the artist is putting forward. So the most important thing is, is the creator behind actually dealing with their creations in a proper and, you know, professional manner? Uh, You know, do they, and and this ties to the second point, which is, do they have a good collector base? You know, a, a, I, one thing that for us is very, very bad, we think it's going to play very bad in the, in the future. There seems to be this craze for selling everything or giving everything to the highest bidder. Everything is a time auction uh, for these, you know, incredible works that are, in our opinion, so much more important that the right, the right person, the right collector has it. Uh, that then is going to be an ambassador for you that is going to go out and show your work and is going to be proud than just, uh, you know, arbitrarily somebody can just spend a little bit more at that time for it. And then it's going to like just lock it away and put it out. So for me, at least, in my opinion, it's very, 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 very important how thoughtful and, you know, how the the creator behind uh, is thinking about the career as well as obviously like in the piece. But, uh, you know, the the decision making for me relies on on the second part. Yeah, I think there's so many good points in there. Let's see what else I can add to that. Um, 
you know, when, when we came in, there were a couple other giants in the space, right? So initially coming in, you, you take notice of, of what these people are doing and you begin to ask yourself, well, why are these people doing this? Um, you know, I would understand right now that it is probably a lot harder for collectors to decide because it seems like the marketplace has been just flooded with new artists. Right. It seems like the most common metric people use is going to be social media followers. Right. Or at least maybe that's how the, the marketplaces seem to be curating themselves. Um, it seems there's a, a premium for for youth, which I can I can understand. Um, and it seems like there's been lately, you know, premiums for stuff like 3D artworks and audiovisual collaborations and you know, kind of just being in, in the space long enough, you know, every day, 12 hours a day, you, you've seen enough to kind of begin to know what is going to speak to you and, and what fits into our collection. I mean, we have so many pieces at this point that we ultimately, we have a management problem, right? So knowing where everything is, knowing how to curate, knowing which assets should go where and, and how to display them, um, it's it's difficult because at the end of the day, we can only put, you know, 50, 60 pieces in our museum, uh, you know, maybe eight to 10 if we do solo shows and then, you know, another handful in our gallery. So, you know, at this point, maybe only five, 10% of our collection is being shown. Um, you know, what other mental Pablo speaking about just who the collectors are, knowing who the collectors are, they're just our collectors that have a reputation for flipping. And the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, an auction format is, is not conducive for an artist, right? If these people are willing to, you know, go out and build a career, well, then they also have to decide if they want to be the artist as the entrepreneur and handle their own marketing, or if they just want to create, right? And um, so, you know, your biggest advocates are going to be your collectors, Right. They're the ones that are going to sit with you on the journey. Now, if you put one of your best pieces into the hands of somebody that's going to flip it the next day for a couple hundred bucks, uh, it's just not attractive from a collector side because it shows irresponsibility. And, and these are all lessons that, you know, we're learning together because it is so new. But the record of that is permanent. So I'm curious if you guys can talk about some of the alternative procurement strategies that you engage in to, to collect work, uh, I think it'd be interesting for other people to hear what other ways exist outside of these uh, sometimes pretty crazy public auctions. I, I mean, it's all in that relationship, right? It's all in developing that relationship with the artists. You know, we, I mean, at, at some point you have to build a collection and you have to show taste and you have to show what you're doing if you want that door to open to artists, right? You have to come in, you have to be willing to spend the time, you have to be willing to spend the money. Um, and then, you know, with that and, and showing that you're committed and, and doing the work, then you can begin to have, you know, conversations with, with these artists where, you know, at least I feel comfortable in myself like now with what we've built going to an artist and saying, Hey, I love this piece. You know, I'd like to like get to know you better. Um, 
I generally, we never make a deal with somebody unless we get on a Google Meet or, or FaceTime and see them face to face and get to know this person and know if this is somebody that we can work with, right? It's really, you know, you can fall in love with a piece, but if you can't work with the person and know that they're going to be here forever and, and have and share the same passion and they're not kind of just like moonlighting as a a crypto artist but that they live and bleed it as much as you know pablo and i live and bleed this it's really easy to sniff out i think somebody that is in this for the love of this and somebody that is in this for i don't know trying to get a, a discount on on incredible art like there's been a quote that's in my head and I can't get it out. It's that there's no price too high for something that is priceless. Right. And these are like all one of one creations, you know, again, it's an incredible responsibility. It's not like you're flipping a, an ICO coin or, or another altcoin. Like these are people's lives and the decisions that you do and how you price and how you market is incredibly important. How you represent the work is effectively, you know, speaking to that person's soul. So these were all like very tough lessons that that we had to learn along the way uh, that have kind of, I think, at least made us better people and more understanding people of how we can have these relationships to do whatever, you know, bundle deal or direct sale or um, you know, asking somebody to mint something on OpenSea, uh, something like this, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And then the next question is, uh, what are we what are we talking about, or what are we focusing on too much right now uh, when it comes to to crypto art? Yeah, I think the scarcity and abundance thing is totally ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I, I just it, it makes no sense, right? You're you're trying to like put economic constraints on somebody's creativity. There's just not enough collectors in the thing. You're going to, you know, tell somebody you need to be a certain way to market yourself. It just is very like anti-art ethos, in my opinion. It's it's basically like the marketplace is coming in and telling artists how they should be or a curator telling somebody how they should be. I hate that. Um, you know, the... <laughs> I don't think we have a, obviously like a, a remix problem as a community and, and drawing the line at what is acceptable. I think that the last point that you mentioned is very, is very important and it ties in general to the thought that just because things are on the blockchain, uh, you know, nothing like common social or business practices don't apply. I believe that there's, you know, some, you know, a lot of talk uh, in Twitter uh, going on around some topics that are very, very, very clear that outside of this industry, they would not ever be discussed because they're, they're you know, black and white. There's no, 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 you know, uh, and here we just keep on going over them. So, so uh, I think that's a, that's a bigger problem than what, than what it might seem, this, 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 this whole uh, remix uh, copying thing. Yeah, definitely. And then the, the flip side to that question is like, because we're focusing on all these, these other things and topics, wh what are we missing out on? What are we not focusing on or, or talking about enough? Uh, in our opinion, uh, you know, there's, there's, still, there's still not enough people actually uh, showcasing their collections, in our opinion. Uh, there's, there's been a big move lately to we're seeing a lot more initiatives in this regard, but 
there's still a lot of people that uh, purchase things just to keep it, you know, in their in their account, in their wallet, in the vault, and uh, uh, not enough talk about exhibitions about about doing doing actual things with the with the assets that they purchase. Yeah, I, I think that's a very very good point. I oh, what are we not talking about? We're not talking about. Uh, the the collectors i i think the collectors themselves are not having conversations about the art right that's my biggest complaint um you know there are a couple collectors that we've connected with that have art backgrounds but we as a collector community haven't figured out how to come together and collectively tell artist stories I feel like that those those points are very related, right? There there has to be more ambassadors, and the collector side, yes, we need better ambassadors. We need more people like you guys um, that are really putting in the legwork and and making the, the investment and time and money to really tell these stories um, in an engaging way, in a, in a way that is super true to the artist and and really highlights the best of their creation, but. In my mind, I feel like heading forward, the best ambassadors in the space are going to be artists themselves telling their stories, right? But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to interject real quick there. Like, nobody really is as interested when you talk about yourself, if that makes sense. When somebody else is talking about you and giving you that praise and you that regard for being this way, it feels more genuine and trustworthy. So... I, I definitely think it's on the artists themselves to put the information out there for the collectors to then carry and bring forward, right? Nobody wants to listen to somebody saying, look at me, look at me, I'm so great. Oh, so where I was going with the, the ambassadorship, so I, I think there's a really big distinction between promotion, right? Self-promotion in particular, and then kind of shining a light on the space as a whole, Right. And what I'm talking about, artists being ambassadors in that regard, is not in a, a way to, to promote themselves, but it's a way to kind of shine a light on the overall space, on what's possible, other great artists. I mean, one of the amazing aspects, I think, of crypto art is the fact that there's so many artists themselves who are also collectors, right? Yes. So w- what I'm talking about is is very much the opposite of what, what you're calling out is something that's um, obviously not super impactful or effective, right? Um, just to clarify where, where I'm coming from. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh, I would like to add one thing that uh, it, it goes maybe more with the previous point, but one thing that, uh, that we've been seeing that is happening in this space, and it's a pity really, is that, um, you know, all the focus is seems to be on the artist uh, making everything for the artists and the creators and to make everything happy, uh, very good for, for them. But we forget that if we want an actual market here to exist, we need to treat the collectors much, much better than what they're treated. Um, now, we obviously have a, we have no problems of creators, meaning we have thousands and thousands of new creators joining, you know, like, like it's, it's been a huge explosion, but we do have obviously right now a small collector problem. And part of me, part of it, in my opinion, is because we, there's not the infrastructure. And again, the credit card that we were talking about before and the fiat pricing. But part of me as well is because there's really no effort from the community or from the platforms to really cater to the, you know, to the needs of these collectors as any other gallery outside would. 
Um, I think that's been a major thing uh, from us. Now we, when now that we are, you know, gaining a little bit more size and more recognition, things are changing for us a little bit. But I still, we still talk to other collectors, and again, they're just the treatment uh, for the collector side from from most of the community and from the and from uh, many of the platforms is certainly uh, not what it should be. Hmm. On that point, I mean, what 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 would that expected or ideal treatment from the galleries and marketplaces to to collectors like what what does that look like what should that look like yeah it could be as something as simple as you know a marketplace reaching out and say like you know we know what you like to collect come take a look at this new artist we think it really much matches your style or not only that or or on top of that just the same way that when they congratulate you know certain uh, artists for certain sales like also just be more in touch more of this white glove service that you're expected when you're doing buying what things are supposed to be more high end, you know? Um, and again, if you have any problem, any issue, obviously, you know, uh, you know, result at the end of the day, you know, we're using decentralization tools, but most of these marketplaces, I mean, there's nothing decentralized about them, you know, aside from the fact that we use the auction system in a decentralized manner, but, but uh, we have to, they have to understand that they, 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 they you know, if, if, if you don't make it very easy and you don't make your customers, well, at the end, your customers are the collectors, not the artists. Uh, um, if you don't treat them very well and make their life extremely good, uh, they just they just won't be engaged. 100% support that. Who do you see these artist ambassadors being? People that are obviously not simply self-promoting themselves, but showing and telling and presenting the best of what the space is in a way that brings more people here. <laughs> you know my answer there. Yeah. So I'll let uh, I'll let uh, Colborn. Uh, I'm just gonna say Pack and let Colborn <laughs> answer the rest. Yeah, I mean Pack is Pack is obvious. We know of 20, 30, 40 creators that he's brought in just himself, right? Because he's so deep in this design community and the dollars that he's making speak. Um, you know, I think, and I've had this conversation with someone like Fawocious. Uh, you have to step up and and be a leader in that young generation to tell people that this is the way to monetize your art. It's not stickers and merchandise. And if you are a young artist, you know, bring your works digital and bring them to the market. I mean, alone, how many people has Fawocious brought uh, on? It's, it's astronomical. You know, if a, another 16 to 22 year old sees, you know, one of their peers making $20,000 on an artwork, right. That's going to attract some eyeballs. Gosh, who else has been an incredible evangelist and ambassador for the space? I mean, a, a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Uh, literally, I, I do, I do believe that 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 the one thing this industry does very well is actually that trying to reach out and actually, you know, showcasing a lot of people what is happening here. And we've been pretty successful. Uh, if you see uh, what's been happening in the last few months uh, of the attraction of, of both uh, of both sides of the equation. Uh, but yeah, probably the one that stands out the most uh, for me would be by far and away back. Um, I would, you know, I would also say a lot of the the emerging market artists are doing it out of necessity, right? We see this incredible revolution, re, you know, cultural renaissance happening in Argentina because of just the political and economic crisis that's that's there, right? These artists are forced to go online and try and find a global market for their works. You know, there's a similar thing happening in Mexico as well. Um, incredible, incredible emerging market talent, uh, which 
is, you know, incredibly, I would say, disruptive to what would be like a, you know, an LA, New York, Miami, Hong Kong, Basel art scene, right? It's suddenly that we have a true global open market and people are, are you know, it's competition. 100%. And then from your, your perspectives, like when it comes to showing off digital art and crypto art in the metaverse, in blockchain-based VR worlds, like Somnium space at a high level, like where are we today? Uh, and then where, where are we going to be going? Where will we be uh, this time next year? I would say right now, it's still all incredibly experimental, right? I think we have us kind of playing uh, in, in a patchwork, more democratic, bringing all the pieces together. And I think, you know, there are major like Hollywood studios that are really pushing for, you know, full photorealistic VR experiences. And I think that we we find something that meets somewhere in the middle in, in about a year, you know, as VR headsets get better, as processing power gets stronger, uh, eventually we are going to be running like fully local simulations in those headsets that are quite photorealistic. Um, and, you know, with Facebook behind Oculus and with Apple putting out their AR glasses, you know, we know there is going to be this tremendous transition of humanity deeper into the digital and, and deeper into these infinite worlds and how art and creators and, you know, those people that can kind of tap back into their imagination of what these future spaces will look like will be incredibly successful. To that point, though, I do think that even even if a major studio comes in and tries to, you know, compete with some of these metaverses that we see now, I do believe that they have a very tough time because there is something special about the user generation generated content. And apologies, I have some some noise in the background, uh, but um, there is um, there is something that <laughs> whenever you purchase land in one of these metaverses. You actually build something and you go in there to your own creation and you experience it pretty much like a second after you upload it. Um, there, that, that's that's very sticky. That is very very sticky. Uh, you know, there's. I. It would be very difficult for me to start this journey again somewhere else, knowing all the time, uh, you know, effort and and just thoughtfulness that uh, that we've put into building this. Uh, just because when you own the land and when you build your own thing, it's very personal. It's very yours. Uh, this is, that's the way I see it. So, uh, and I also think it makes for more interesting like builds and and some builds that you just wouldn't see if it was a company behind just trying to push certain builds. But what I always say and the discussion that I have when I speak to uh, to some of the the founders of these metaverses, they have, they should arrive at a hybrid where you know they 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 they, they mostly focus on on user-generated content, but then they also work together with some other, uh, you know, bigger companies and projects to actually bring content that is, you know, professional high level and uh, and what you would come to expect from, from, from you know, the, the traditional world. Um, I would echo that and, and say that community is incredibly sticky, right? And, you know, in in identifying with one of these worlds, you are identifying with a, a part of yourself that is also connecting with other people. Um, so it's it's hard to, I think, 
almost cross metaverses. Although I, I think, I mean, there's only so much time in the day, right? And you, you can't be doing everything. So, you know, maybe at this stage, while each one is kind of building siloed, uh, you know, you, we have to choose. But I think eventually it'll be, you know, very interoperable and we'll just be jumping between worlds as, as simple as we would be jumping between web pages. What is your, your solo gallery and solo exhibition schedule looking like for the artists uh, that you've collected? Mm, good question. Uh, we have a certainly a list of names uh, and we kind of just go one by one. The thing is, is that, you know, we are very perfectionist and we will probably do a revision of a building uh, 10 15 times before we say, okay, this is 100%. So we don't really know what will be ready when, um, but we are very, very close on a new one. Uh, and, you know, a, a adventurous traveler of, of Somnium space would be able to figure out. We always value doing your own research. Like we have segmented collections on open sea of you know mocha dash somebody where we have identified we have a certain number of artworks from that particular person and are planning to do something unique around <laughs> that collection <laughs> Every, everyone listening do your damn research <laughs> <laughs> Nothing comes easy, nothing comes for free, you know? There you go. Well, I, I do want to be respectful of your guys' time. I, I have a couple questions that I don't normally ask anyone, but I think uh, being who you guys are, I think it would be really interesting to kind of do some quick word association questions uh, and then wrapping up with one, one last question after that. Uh, but I have just a, a list of some of the marketplaces, galleries in the space and some of the metaverse worlds. I'm just going to throw out the name and uh, be curious to to hear how you guys think about these, these projects. Oh, that's okay. That's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. But if we say anything that we don't want to say, we, we can go back, but just want to see how it goes. And we'll just go in this order. There's uh, about 11 or 12. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, Pablo and then Colborn. We'll just trade off like that. Okay. So first up, it's easy one, super rare. Legacy. <laughs> oh man, that is, no, that's not easy. Um, uh, just first, it's where I was first. There we go. Nifty Gateway. Uh, mainstream. Yeah, hype. Known origin. Unknown. Yeah, I, I, my, my thought was addition. Ace and cart. Uh, I need more than one word. Uh, just, uh, yeah, they deserve it. I mean, async is just. I'll just give the, the, the full description. It's, it's my favorite project. I think they're the, the, the people that are actually bringing innovation into the space uh, in a way that is outside of just, you know, they're selling through or tokenizing the work. Uh, I very much uh, like the team and just how they represent and they go around uh, just, just building things and, and, and the relationship with, I'm, I'm a big fan of facing. So uh, uh, the, the, the short word would be preferred. Yeah, Pablo, your yeah. check's in the mail, man. <laughs> uh look async is insane async is like the project i love to show people because because of that innovation yeah 
forward. Okay, back to one words now. We, we gave you <laughs> everyone a passphrase because they deserve it. <laughs> Baker's place. For me, that's white glove. Aye, that's a good one. Um, user experience. Open sea. I, mean, I think the word is in the name. That that is just a data project. Collectible. Yeah, I don't think we'd be anywhere without OpenSea. That's like the bedrock. Foundation. That's the foundation. Rareable. Trash. Dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last, the last uh, crypto art specifically related one. Blockchain art exchange. Uh, you know, I I I like Sasha. Every time I think he's doing. Can I speak about this? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I you know, have not been a, a purchaser there per se, but I respect everything that he is doing in wanting to build a marketplace and, and working himself to put the, the art forward. So I, I would just say, you know, respect from, from the art side. There's a couple new extra platforms that I, that I actually like, uh, you know, the general focus on how they're approaching things. Yeah, I like Ephemera. Um, uh, I like what they're doing there. I think they're being very thoughtful about many things that are missing from the other platforms and in the industry in general. I do like the bigger file size as well. Uh, they, they have some limitations because of, you know, everything being photo-based. But, uh, uh, yeah, I just I also like the team. I like uh, Virgen del Crypto. He's, uh, you know, he's... I don't know. I, I just like what I'm seeing from and the thoughtfulness I'm seeing from the project. And then I, I very much like this other project as well that has been there here for a little bit longer, uh, which is um, Foundation. Uh, I, 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 I don't know if I should say this, but I, I, I perhaps uh, they were a little bit too early for the XDAI, which is a great, amazing product and it works very well. And, you know, it's, it's a platform that really functions very well and I very much like it. I just think they were slightly early for the XDAI and the market wasn't ready. But aside from that, I really like a lot of things about Foundation. Yeah, the Foundation is definitely a cool one. Ephemera, I, I, they're coming on the whip soon. I really want to kind of d- dig into what they're doing. I like their specific focus. I think that's that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, the next list is just with the metaverse worlds. Um, this, sh- this should be a bit easier. But starting off with uh, Crypto Voxels. Uh, accessible. Yeah, uh, I, I, I get the word that comes voxels, you know, squares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Decentraland. Community. Uh, innovation and, and cartoon. Somnium space. Wow. Is that, is that, is that your, your, your choosing? Is that the word, uh, Colburn? Wow. <laughs> It's, it's, I'm just like, I get so blown away every time I put on that headset and it does that like THX, like, and then you're like in the metaverse. Yeah, it's just like, I'm just awestruck. Uh, for me, it will be certainly immersion. That's what, I mean, I guess no one's really, really experienced it. Uh, you test it out, but sandbox. Pre-sale. <laughs> Infinite pre <pre-sales. laughs> It's just like a big corporate, I think. It's all fair. Uh, that, that was fun. I think that was interesting. <laughs> and then the, the last question, uh, it's an easy one. We'll wrap up on this. What are the last three artists uh, that you, you've scooped individually? Uh, I, I bought a beautiful piece that was we were working on it for a while with uh, Claudia Linke. 
What about you, Pablo? I mean, we haven't we haven't particularly been buying too much. Yeah, so I I am very very happy because after many many months, I actually was able to grab the one that for me got away, which is an agonistic piece that I really like since the beginning, and I was just not around the when when he when he went through, um, and I was very happy with that. Uh, I also very much respect agonistic. Uh, uh, for all the work that he has done both here and previously to here, uh, you know, in the in the traditional world. Uh, I've been collecting lately, uh, you know, I've collected uh, Andres Reisinger, uh, mm-hmm. who I think is going to be a superstar. Um, uh, um, and uh, I think the previous one, I think, was a pack, another, the last pack. I want to take this opportunity, you know, shout out like all the incredible artists who have donated us pieces. Like to me, what? Yeah, like like top down, you know that that seeing that from the artists and being like them saying like this is the piece I want you to have and and to showcase it. Um, you know, number forty one, I think was was the first one to really like donate us something incredibly valuable, incredibly personal. Uh, Esteban Diabanco gave us a beautiful personal piece that he recovered from a hard drive. Uh, Karen 4D sent us just an amazing uh, computer-generated, you know, program that that he wrote something from uh, Felix. And then uh, Algo Mystic recently. It's all emojis. It's it's. This is this is wonderful. We, we've had yeah. several others in the past as well. I think Martirium at, uh, at one point also gave us a wonderful gift. You know, a couple, but it's just as Colborn says, it's when when creators start valuing, you know, the work that you're putting and the efforts and, you know, and, 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 and start like actually enjoying that relationship. And, and uh, it's, it's very powerful. It's very powerful for us. And it's the reason why we actually do... Uh, you know what we do at the end of the day again this was uh, a passion project it's still a passion project now it's obviously getting a little bit more size and uh you know it's it's uh it's professionalizing a bit but it's still a passion project and for us this is really as colborne says uh it's what makes it God, that's so beautiful yeah i mean that's why i'm here i think that's why pe- people when they f- they come in here they they realize what's going on that's why they stay well, both of you have been super generous with your time uh, talking with me, answering these questions. I just want to give each of you uh, the chance to kind of shout anything out that you want to hype up or let people know that they should be on the lookout for uh, and leave folks with uh, your last words before we sign off. Wow. You know, it's it's been such a journey and i just want to like from everybody that just brought us in from the beginning that that showed us so much love that really just opened up this community uh deepest most heartfelt thanks uh there's something incredibly special here and it's because of the people involved and it was because of the people that were attracted to it in the first place and you know we sit to try and hold that spirit to, together of this like love and this openness and willingness to collaborate that was was shown to us and i think this you know where we differentiate ourselves from the traditional art world will be in this and how we bring these communities into metaverse spaces and how we all come together and like i know temperatures can run hot and, and crypto art is drama 
Um, but you know, if we don't have each other, then we don't have anything. This is kind of how beautiful things have always been built. So I just like encourage anybody to lean and continue to lean into that feeling and, and bring more and more people into this space, uh, show them how to get involved, teach them, be ambassadors for what this is and what this means and, and look out for others. And, uh, you know, if you put others first, you've really seen that it reflects in multitudes back to you. Yeah, I'll, just first I'll start with the general recommendation and just general comments. It's, uh, you know, this is a space that, uh, you know, it's the most high-paced industry I've ever been at. And I've been involved in the early stage industries in the past. And it's, uh, it's, it's I believe that we need to have a very collaborative mindset uh, rather than very competitive mindset because uh, it's just not enough people and not enough time to do all the things that need to be built in order for this to actually grow out of the needs that we currently have uh, to really reach uh, uh, everybody. So just try to be collaborative. There's a lot of people here that are doing this with passion, with actually liking what they do. And uh, uh, yeah, I think it's better to find ways to work together than to try to compete against the uh, in the same fields. And then, uh, you know, echoing a little bit of what Colborne said, for at least for me, from my side, you know, these, these last few months have been absolutely transformational. Uh, in a very positive way. I have, you know, made very, very profound relationships with uh, a lot of people along the way. And uh, for the first time, you know, I've, I've, I've always been lucky enough that I've enjoyed what I do. Uh, but for the first time, I actually like what I do every day is actually uh, my passion. And uh, it's just, it's just, I want to say thank you because what's happening here is something very unique. Uh, the start of something that's going to be absolutely revolutionary and just very, very happy uh, to just, uh, I guess, be part of the, of the people that are writing this history and, uh, and you know, uh, guiding a little bit, uh, you know, how the, the industry should be. So, so very, very thankful for that. It's wow, perfect. And, and thank you again, both of you, Pablo and Colborn, for taking the time to chat with me. I can't wait to go back and listen to this personally uh, as a fan of what you guys have been doing. It's so cool to, do a deep dive into your approach and and all the thought that you put behind everything that you do. Uh, and I just wish you two and uh, the whole project nothing but the best and keep on creating and spreading the good word of crypto art and the metaverse. Let me just add to you, thank you for all the work that you've done. You were here before us. You laid foundation that allowed us to do what we could do. Without you, we would not be here, right? So just infinite gratitude for all that you're doing and for giving us this platform. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. Cheers. Hey, everyone. Matthew here. Thank you for listening to today's show. I just want to remind everyone of this month's sponsor, Will Street. Will Street is the DeFi engine that powers NFT economics on a massive scale. They make huge currency swaps happen, or whale swaps, as they're called, with very small slippage costs and without crashing the system. They also engineered the largest ever NFT bundle and fractionalized it into the historic B20 tokens. Will Street is all about upside, so dip into the liquidity pools for rich rewards. For B20, join discord.com slash whale. That's discord.com slash W-H-A-L-E. And follow Will Street on Twitter at Will Street O-F-F-L. Thank you. And see you next episode. It's going down. Sons, podcast.
Podcast.